From Altoona to Uniontown, Erie to Williamsport, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, inflation is by far the top concern of Pennsylvania business owners and top-line executives, along with supply chain issues and finding qualified employees. Stephen Bloom and Melissa Morgan are here with a Capital Watch look at results of the fall 2022 Keystone Business Climate Survey. Ambala controversies again swirl as Pennsylvanians begin voting in the general election. I'll have a town hall commentary on why concerns over election integrity remain. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to our Capital Watch crew in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. State Representatives Frank Ryan of Lebanon County and Don Kiefer of York and Cumberland Counties have been joined by over a dozen of their colleagues in sending a letter to Acting Secretary of the Commonwealth Lee Chapman demanding she immediately issue a directive to county election bureaus on the proper handling of mail-in and absentee ballots. The lawmakers are insisting that such ballots be verified by ID checks and that the law requiring the signing and dating of such ballots be followed. Election Day is November 8th. The Center Square reports a Pennsylvania hearing on fossil fuels had much to say about the good of oil and natural gas. The Environmental Resources and Energy Committee heard Kevin Dayaratna, who is chief statistician and data scientist for the Heritage Foundation, argue that the Biden administration's model for regulating carbon-based fuels will do little to alter climate change. He urged lawmakers to avoid a carbon tax or carbon capture policies because they have significant economic costs and provide negligible environmental benefits. Pennsylvania House Republicans on Wednesday announced the introduction of articles of impeachment against Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, The articles of impeachment cite as misbehavior in office, Krasner's mismanagement of the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, and his soft-on-crime policies as having a direct and negative impact on the crime and violence gripping the city of Philadelphia. He has also been charged with repeated defiance of subpoenas issued by the House Select Committee on Restoring Law and Order. The articles of impeachment have been referred to the House Judiciary Committee for action. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. Inflation and rising costs top the list of challenges facing Pennsylvania's business owners and top-line executives as supply chain disruptions, along with difficulty in finding and keeping qualified employees, drive rising concerns over future economic conditions. Those were the key findings of the Lincoln Institute's Fall 2022 Keystone Business Climate Survey. Stephen Bloom from the Commonwealth Foundation and Melissa Morgan from the National Federation of Independent Business are here for a Capital Watch look at the results. Stephen? Welcome to Capital Watch, where we keep our eyes on the Capitol for you. I'm Stephen Bloom, Vice President of the Commonwealth Foundation. And on today's show, we're going to be examining the results of the Fall 2022 Keystone Business Climate Survey conducted by the Lincoln Institute. I'm joined in the studio today by Melissa Morgan of the National Federation of Independent Businesses in Pennsylvania. And Melissa, your title is Assistant State Director. Is that correct? 
That is correct, Stephen. And could you tell our listeners a little bit about the work that NFIB does so they have an idea of the perspective you're bringing to the show today? Absolutely. So the National Federation of Independent Business, commonly referred to as NFIB, as you indicated, represents nearly 13,000 small and independent business owners here in Pennsylvania. We represent businesses in every sector of the economy um, all across the Commonwealth. Nationally, we have offices in all 50 state capitals, as well as a national office in D.C. So we consider ourselves the voice of small business, both here in the Commonwealth and across the country. And you have some involvement, actually, in the preparation of some of the questions that go on the survey that we're going to be discussing today. Is that right? Yes, we do. Um, we we do take a lot of stock in what our members have to say, and we've worked with the Lincoln Institute to come up with some of the questions and just some of the things that we've heard from our folks about what's going on. And this is a survey conducted uh, of business owners, CEOs, and top managers. So it's not a survey of the general public. It's actually a survey of those who are most interested in the issues affecting the businesses across Pennsylvania. In other words, the same businesses that the NFIB represents in the work that you're doing as an advocate. That is correct. These are the folks that are that are directly impacted and the folks that are that are in there on, on a day-to-day basis uh, facing these issues. And this is fascinating information. There's so many public surveys out there, but they're typically uh, broadly of all voters or all consumers, that sort of thing. This gives us a real idea of what's happening in the minds of those who have the responsibility to run businesses here in Pennsylvania. Correct. We're really, it, it's really nice because we're not just sort of throwing it out to the universe. We're actually looking at those folks that are signing the front of a paycheck, which have a very different perspective than those that, that have never had to do that. So let's, let's jump right into the, the results of the survey. And the, the first question I want, to, I want to bring up is, as a small business owner, what is currently your top challenge? And so the business owners were, were allowed to pick from any number of, of challenges. What's, what, is, what are the results telling us? They're telling us that inflation and just overall rising costs remain their top challenge. And this is something that we are consistently seeing since 2020. And what, when, when we talk about inflation being a challenge for businesses, what are some of the ways that that's impacting the businesses that you work with? It's impacting goods that they're receiving. It's impacting them trying to get goods out to their folks, transportation costs. Really, every aspect of, of doing business has gone up. This is a, a, essentially a new problem just in the last couple of years. Do you remember like previous results of these same surveys? Was inflation a, a, a big issue? It was not as big as what we're seeing right now. Now, so this is this is a whole new trend now that we're we're dealing with wrestling with the, the high inflation rate, and it's really impacting the businesses. Absolutely, and I think when you look at inflation and you combine that with supply supply chain disruptions, we've had small business owners that are saying, you know, it's taking me twice as long to get something, and it's also costing me more. So typically, if it's going to take you longer to get something, you're losing your profit on that. But when it's taking you longer to get it, plus it's costing you more, now you're losing more and more of that profit to the point where are you even going to be breaking even? Wow. And so inflation is the number one, the rising cost. But I see. Looking at the results here, there's some others that are very much closely related, I think. Uh, current economic conditions is, is the next highest category uh, that, that small businesses are concerned about. And then, as you mentioned, supply chain is right there and state taxes on business income. So there are, there are a number of, of similar issues that are all kind of coming together around the economic side of, of, of the, the equation that are truly having that impact on small businesses. You know, the thing to think about, too, when we're talking about taxation is is keeping qualified employees. 
when we talk about business taxation, when we talk about taxes on the worker, our folks have to have to keep their qualified employees as well. So, so they have to be keeping up with the market in terms of their employees. If their taxes go up and they're not able to pay their employees more, their employees are going to go elsewhere. You know, everything is tied together, and I think that's really what we need folks to understand as we're having these conversations. And that's certainly something we've seen as well at the Commonwealth Foundation as we work with different entrepreneurs around the state of Pennsylvania and hear from them the daily struggles they're facing. Let's take a look at at question number two on the survey. What do you think is the biggest cause of current of the current continued high rate of inflation. So one of the things that businesses are telling us is, is they're looking at the amount of money that the government has been spending. And that's what they're indicating is, is what they believe is the direct cause of all of this inflation, which is very – it's a similar tone to what we hear from a lot of business owners is you know, to keep the government out of their business. It kind of reigns true when you think about the government overspending is now impacting their business. It, it all goes hand in hand. And boy, I, I'm looking at the, the results on that question, and, and you can see government overspending is really way out in front of all the other issues that were even listed. It, it's interesting because on Capital Watch, we've often discussed over the last year and a half, you know, where what is driving this this inflationary economy that we're in? Why are we setting the, the records for the highest rate of inflation since the late 1970s or early 1980s? Something that that many folks who are listening not even weren't even alive back then, and, and we haven't had to wrestle with high inflation rates like we have today since that time. And we we always have come back to the same conclusion that this is not a surprise. When you see the, the federal government in particular spending money the way they've been spending it over the last couple of years uh, in, in just literally creating money out of thin air and pouring it out into the economy in unprecedented ways, it creates that scenario that we've seen around the world when governments get too loose with their, their policy of, of liquidity in the economy through liberal dispensation of money. And now we're seeing that the dreadful results that are so predictable that inflation begins to rise. You have too, too many dollars chasing too few goods. And it's the classic scenario in which inflation kicks in. What do you think this is doing to the businesses that you work with? So one of the things that we have been seeing and that we also see in the survey is it's it's requiring some of those businesses to place a pause on some of those capital investments that they were thinking of doing. You know, when we have this economic uncertainty, our business owners, they don't know when we're going to hit the tipping point, when we're going to hit the top. So anytime that they can, that they're going to place the pause button on that capital improvement and save those funds because they don't know what they're going to need them for. And for our listeners, can you differentiate between capital expenses and other expenses a business might face? Sure, absolutely. When we talk in capital expenses, maybe it was an improvement. Maybe it was an expansion of their business. It's not a typical day-to-day fixed. Maybe buying a new machine, a new piece of equipment, expanding a building. Absolutely. Doing something outside of their normal uh, cost of doing business. But it's also something that, you know, has a trickle-down effect that impacts other parts of the economy. When small business owners don't purchase that new piece of equipment, well, then that hurts that person they were going to purchase it from. And it's also a sacrifice of efficiency because obviously if a, if a business is planning to make a capital expenditure, they're not doing it for fun. They don't want to spend money unnecessarily. They've just determined that to make their business more efficient, they need to have a new piece of equipment, build that, that new supply shed or whatever it is that they need to become more efficient. So when they choose not to do that, there's also an impact on continuing to drive that that inflationary pressure of too few goods and too many dollars chasing those those goods that are out there because production isn't as high as the economy is signaling it should be. 
Absolutely. And you have to remember, too, that these are things that small business owners have planned for. They have looked towards the future and said, okay, in the next three years, I want to make this improvement. I want to purchase this piece of equipment because, you know, it neither is going to need to be replaced or we're going to now go from one to two. And then when they're not doing that, that is impacting their their business model and requiring them to recreate and then redo where their business is going. And as we dig in deeper to the results of this Keystone Business Climate Survey for 2022, uh, one of the questions that, that, again, fascinating insight into the world of of what is facing our businesses in Pennsylvania, uh, the question is, they gave a long list of possible adjustments that you're planning to make as a business operator over the next three to six months. And the number one category in which there are going to be adjustments made, changes made in small businesses is price increases. And price increases leads to all the other categories. There's you know a list of things like wages, benefits, uh, making layoffs, decreasing products or services or increasing. But, but standing out amongst all those is, is many, many businesses, the highest number on the entire survey, are planning to make price increases in the upcoming year or the upcoming three to six months. Absolutely. And increasing those prices is not something that they take lightly. And it's something that they realize is also going to impact their business because as they increase their prices, there are going to be folks that purchase from them. They're going to have to decrease the amount of goods that they purchase. So it's definitely something they've been feeling the pressure. A lot of them have been trying to stabilize their prices, just hold the line. But they're really getting to the point where they have no other choice. You're listening to Capital Watch. I'm Stephen Bloom, Vice President of the Commonwealth Foundation, joined by Melissa Morgan, Assistant State Director of the National Federation of Independent Businesses for Pennsylvania. Melissa, as we as we carry on looking at the results of this fall 2022 Keystone Business Climate Survey, let's let's dig into uh, some of the more direct impacts of the inflationary economy on the on the small businesses that are trying to uh, not only uh, provide valuable goods and services to their fellow Pennsylvanians but jobs as well. And now uh, the the question that they're facing is a is a climate an economic climate driven not only by inflation, but rising interest rates. And the question is, have rising interest rates caused you to delay or cancel planned capital building or equipment projects? And what what are you finding from your members? Are they being impacted by the high interest rates? Absolutely. I think it's one of those things, you know, small business owners look for certainty. They look to know what's going on. Like I said, they're planning three to five years in advance, even longer for long-term planning. And when they see those higher interest rates, that is going to impact what what they're going to be able to do, you know, how far they're going to be able to stretch their their dollars. And a significant number of, of small businesses have reported that they're either they've either canceled building or or other capital projects as well as many have postponed building or capital investment projects. So you're seeing this this impact and this is driven by the inflation rates and often we we hear our interest rates when we hear about high interest rates we think home buyers we think to ourselves, oh, that's, you know, when you get a home mortgage and you get this 30-year mortgage and that's fixed and you get a rate and you can budget around that rate and you're okay and you negotiate for that low rate up front, you're going to be in good shape. But that's a little different often in the, in the sector of lending for businesses and for capital improvement projects. Often the, the interest rates are variable and, and the, the money has to be accessed more, more frequently in a business than it would be like from an individual consumer who was taking out a, a residential home mortgage from a bank or, or other lending institutions. So what are some of the struggles that, that the businesses face when they're having to decide 
about their capital budgets in the face of high costs of borrowing in the form of higher interests. I think you you hit that nail on the head there is, you know, when you buy, when you buy a home, you may not have to think about your interest rate every single year. It's not it's not changing. When you're a business owner, that's something that you were looking at constantly because you're looking at the amount of money that you have and and if that interest rate is going up, that's taking away from that money that you have. So it's something that you you want that certainty to know where that's going to be. And as those interest rates go up and there's no foreseeable future of them going back down, it's something that's impacting your bottom line. And I know a lot of businesses carry lines of credit and, and other forms of liquidity that they can access, but they have to pay the interest rate on it in order to, to, to access it. And it really makes a difficult decision, especially in, a, in an unpredictable climate like this. Absolutely. It, it also, you know, you can't take as much risk as the interest rates are going up like that. So they're going to be more conservative with their business ventures, going to be more, you know, like we said, conservative, putting the pause button on those capital improvements. You're just really not able to do as much when and, things are And there's like an that. impact as well on hiring. So, and one of the, the other questions we wanted to look at, and it's been included on the survey, is does your business have open positions you're looking to fill? And right now it looks like about about half the businesses that are have been surveyed are, are, are saying yes, but half are saying no. What does that tell you? Six months ago, were they still trying to fill those positions? But did they decide not to fill those positions? And anecdotally, we are hearing some of that from our members that, you know, they they still have those open positions, but they're no longer looking to fill them. And some of that is the economic uncertainty. And so they've they've essentially given up on, on even attempting to hire Correct. That is very correct. And then some of them that are still looking to, to fill those positions, it's a quality issue at this point. They're having trouble finding that qualified worker to do that that job that they need. And that's really a holdover from the, the, the shutdown years of the pandemic where so many folks really withdrew from the labor force. And apparently some of them are simply not coming back, not, not, not putting themselves back out there to be employed. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we hear from small business owners all the time where they had they had somebody who was a skilled worker. Um, they were getting close to retirement. The pandemic forced them into retirement, and there's just nobody coming up through the ranks to fill that void. And again, something uh, I've talked to entrepreneurs around the state over these last couple of years, and it's a chronic issue, just being able to find high-quality employees to fill very highly compensated positions with great futures and, and opportunities, but you know, there just aren't the people there around Pennsylvania to accept those jobs. We look at the survey results on that issue, and, and a majority of the businesses or a plurality report some difficulty in finding enough qualified employees to fill open positions. Another big chunk, the next biggest chunk, is outright they've had that problem. That, that first category I mentioned is they've had some problem, but those who have absolutely had difficulty, that, that represents, represents another 30% or so of businesses. So we're seeing that chronic issue of not being able to, not being able to hire the, the employees they need to be successful. Absolutely. And that is something that, as we talk about the economy, we also need to look at long-term, how are we going to train to have these qualified workers? Jumping over to tax policy, one of the questions on the survey is the Pennsylvania legislature recently passed and Governor Wolf signed into law a reduction in the Pennsylvania corporate net income tax from 9.99% to 8.99% with the goal of reducing the rate to 4.99% by 2031. Do you think the rate of this reduction is too fast, about right, or too slow? And the small businesses, the businesses around Pennsylvania who answered this survey, they by a large majority think it's about right. Does that ring true with what you've seen as you've talked to your members? 
It is, especially for for this climate. I think this is something that is long overdue in terms of the, the state tax policy. It is something to point out that we do have a lot of small business owners that don't pay the corporate income tax. So the next step for the legislature would be to, to look at adjusting some of those taxes uh, for our for our pass-through entities. But it is definitely um, a good step in the right direction, but something you know long overdue. Well, we've talked about a lot of the uh the input that has been provided via this this new survey of those who are operating businesses around Pennsylvania, uh, we're running out of time. But is there anything else that really struck you about the survey results this, this time? One of the things that struck me is sort of the we still don't have that optimism coming back. I think looking backwards, when the when we first started the pandemic, I think we all thought by now that the economy would be better, we'd have better business optimism, and that just isn't where where we thought it would be. And I think that makes um, looking at the at the economics and, and just sort of looking at where we're going even scarier because when businesses aren't optimistic, that is going to impact our, our, our local economy and our state economy here in the state and just further our recovery. Well, Melissa, thank you for joining us on Capital Watch today. And if folks were interested in finding out more about what NFIB does, and potentially more about the results of this survey, how could they reach out to you? They could go to nfib.org slash Pennsylvania to find out more about what we do um, and how we help small businesses. And if you would like to find a more complete listing of the results of that survey, you can go on the web to lincolninstitute.org. I'm Stephen Bloom, Vice President of the Commonwealth Foundation. You can find out more about the Commonwealth Foundation at commonwealthfoundation.org on the internet. We'll catch you next time on Capital Watch. And now here's Loman Henry with a town hall commentary. Election deniers. That is the pejorative, the left, a confederation of socialist Democrats, academia, much of the judiciary and the legacy news media used to describe anyone who dares suggest fraud tainted results of the 2020 presidential election. Rather than track down and disabuse any notions of fraud, The left threw up a stone wall, fighting to prevent any serious investigations, thus triggering further suspicion. Into that void have rushed numerous conspiracy theories, most far-fetched, but some of which may have been worthy of examination. The real problem is not that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. Rather, it was hijacked by changing rules which were and are inconsistently enforced endlessly litigated, and ultimately confusing even to the most informed voter. American Spectator columnist Jeff Lord has turned the tables on the left, labeling them fraud deniers. Fraud occurs in every election. A former Philadelphia congressman was recently sentenced to prison for engaging in fraud. The real question is, was fraud so pervasive that it changed the outcome of the election? Because of the fraud deniers, questions and suspicions linger. The left would have you believe that only mega mega trickle-down extremists, as President Joe Biden would say, questioned his election and subscribed to the big lie that Donald Trump actually won re-election. The problem, however, extends far beyond the fervent Trump base. The Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research recently conducted its semi-annual Keystone Business Climate Survey. Participants in the survey 
are the owners and top-line executives of businesses, large and small, throughout Pennsylvania. They were asked if they were very, somewhat, or not at all concerned that the upcoming November general election will be conducted fairly and that the vote count will be accurate. The result was stunning. 75% are, in fact, concerned that the upcoming election will be fair and accurate. 39% are very concerned. Again, these are business owners and executives more concerned with inflation, supply chain disruptions, and problems finding qualified employees than they are in relitigating the 2020 election. But they have seen and heard enough to have lost faith in the fairness and accuracy of Pennsylvania's election process. Current circumstances threaten to further erode confidence in the vote count. The Supreme Court of the United States recently ruled that undated mail-in ballots cast in a Pennsylvania judicial race could not be counted. That is because state law clearly and inarguably states that such ballots must be dated to be valid. In other words, the nation's highest court upheld the law. That was not good enough for Pennsylvania's acting Secretary of State, Lee Chapman, who has directed counties to count undated mail-in ballots now being cast in the general election. Let me repeat that. The acting Secretary of State, she has not been confirmed by the state Senate, has ordered county election bureaus to take an action contrary to a ruling of the highest court in the land. Chapman's directive has now been challenged in court, and the issue has returned again to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which will likely decide the issue within days. However, in the eyes of many Pennsylvanians, the state Supreme Court lacks legitimacy on election issues. The activist justices have repeatedly injected themselves into the electoral process, rewriting laws and even redrawing congressional district maps. This controversy alone guarantees that if either the race for Pennsylvania's seat in the United States Senate and or the contest for governor are close, the aftermath is going to be ugly. Joe Biden carried Pennsylvania by about 80,000 votes in 2020. This after the state Supreme Court gifted him about the same number of votes by throwing the Green Party's presidential candidate off the ballot. Recent polling suggests at least one of this year's races is likely to be decided by a similarly close margin. Legislative Republicans attempted to address many of the problems associated with the electoral process, passing legislation which included reforms sought by county election bureaus. That bill was vetoed by Governor Tom Wolf, ensuring the flaws inherent in the system will remain in place for this year's balloting. And so, with mail-in balloting already underway, and Election Day itself almost upon us, the integrity of the process remains in question. Blame goes to the fraud deniers, the Wolf administration, and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for their endless tampering with the process and willful disregard of state law. We can only hope Pennswoods doesn't once again become the focus of an embarrassing national election controversy. With a town hall commentary, I'm Loman Henry. If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. 
For 27 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WJSA-FM in Jersey Shore, WNTP-AM and WFIL-AM in Lafayette Hill, along with WCNS-AM in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, and the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal. Plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.